Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's Health Pro Heritage Strategy Academy podcast. I'm Christy Smith, VP of Clinical Strategies. And with me today, I have two amazing speakers. I'm so excited to have both of them here to talk about today's topic, which we'll tell you about in a couple minutes, but it's going to be a really great, um, very informative um, podcast today with regards to um, some really up-to-date information uh, surrounding COVID. Um, So hopefully you all will find this helpful, but I just wanna stop for a second here and introduce my speakers that are here today. Um, So with me, I have Kelly Cooney, VP of Clinical Compliance and Training for Therapy Specialists who recently joined the Health Pro Heritage family, and also the president of NARA. Hi, Kelly. How I'm are great, you? Christy. Thank you. Thanks for being here. And also, we have Sarah Wendell, VP of Clinical Strategies for Health Pro Heritage. Hey, Sarah. Hi, Christy. Thanks for having me on today. Of course. Thanks for being here. Um, so for our listeners out there, what we are going to talk about today is COVID long haulers, or the more formal name that was introduced about last week, um, PASI, post-acute sequelae to COVID. Um, so this is a really hot topic. You've probably actually heard about it recently on the news. You know, I turned on the Today Show last weekend, and they were talking about it on there. And I think the timing of this is spot on as we are exactly one year post COVID in the United States and, you know, coming up on that anniversary of when our lives changed forever. And we're starting to really see some of the after effects here. Um, so without getting into that further, I just want to just dive right into it. And Kelly, can you explain to our listeners, what is a COVID long hauler? What is PASI? Uh, thank you so much, Christy. Uh, what we're seeing, and, and it's, it continues to evolve regularly, but some of the symptoms that we're seeing that are lasting a long time and really define this long haul or passy um, person um, include fatigue, muscle weakness, and that fatigue can be severe, uh, difficulty breathing, persistent cough, dizziness, balance issues, and tinnitus, uh, orthostatic hypotension, chronic pain, chest, muscles, and joints, uh, and this can change. Like it can vary. They can feel better one day and worse another. Uh, brain fog mm-hmm. is one we're hearing a lot about. Uh, people are really noticing that. And, and memory problems, anxiety and depression, malnutrition, and uh, coagulopathy is another one. We're, we do see also some of the post-acute issues of ARDS, that acute respiratory distress syndrome, And another thing that we want to assess for is a postural or orthostatic tachycardia syndrome or POTS. So a lot of things showing up for these folks. And what we're starting to see in the research, and I think this is going to continue to evolve, is that 5 to 10% of folks that have been um, COVID positive are going to be impacted by this. And there's some studies that are showing actually some higher numbers than that. So there's a large population out there of formerly healthy individuals that are very impacted by this long hauler or PASC syndrome. Yeah, it's crazy how it can manifest in so many different systems. Mm -hmm. And I think what's really hard and what our intent is, and I should have started with this too, like today, what our intent is, is really to raise awareness of what it is. Um, You know, I know a lot of our listeners out there, not all, but a lot are healthcare workers. Um, And so to be able to recognize some of these subtle changes in our individuals that we work with that you just listed off there and to think about that differential diagnosis, like 
is this something else underlying? Is this an after effect of COVID? Um, is this a, just a side effect of the pandemic, meaning like the anxiety and depression, like that could be a side effect of COVID sequelae because somebody had COVID, or that could actually just be a side effect of the pandemic itself because of our lives and how they've been changed and the isolation and the psychosocial ha- aspect that that's had on us. So what we are hoping to accomplish on this uh, podcast today is really just to raise awareness and have the conversation so that folks start to think about, is this an after effect of COVID and what can I do to you know, assist this individual who's suffering from these symptoms right now? Because the manifestation across systems is just wild to me of how impactful it could be on somebody's day-to-day life. Absolutely, Christy. And I think one thing I didn't mention that I want to make sure people are aware of is that this long haul or past C syndrome is, is not just for severe cases that required hospitalization. Um, people that had no right. symptoms or very mild symptoms can end up with persistent issues that just don't go away. Uh, So we need to not just be looking at our folks that we know went to the hospital for this or had severe cases of this, but there may be some things showing up with some of our folks that seem to sail right through COVID uh, now, post-COVID, that we need to be looking at and be concerned about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and Sarah, thinking about, you know, healthcare along the continuum, you know, to Kelly's point, it's not just those that were severely impacted, whether it was in a skilled nursing facility or they were actually hospitalized in, you know, an ICU or just a hospital bed. But, you know, this impacts folks along the continuum from mild cases to severe cases. So what are some of those touch points, you know, or or things that people should think about as we work with our individuals along that continuum, everywhere from outpatient to home health and beyond? Absolutely. So regardless of if you're a healthcare provider, regardless of your setting or your specialty, you want to start off every interaction with your patients, seeing if they've had COVID or suspected COVID, really asking open-ended questions to understand their symptoms they might not have made a connection. So it's really important to do some digging and see if we can connect the dots for them. But then the other thing that we need to do is we're providing our own care is identify our other services needed. Many times these individuals require a lot of different disciplines to help them to best manage all of their different symptoms. So we really need to be able to understand who is available in our individual's communities that we could lean on if we need to help, maybe someone needs some mental health, uh, help with anxiety or depression. Maybe the vital signs are so um, highly variable, they need to find a cardiologist. So I think really at any point along the continuum, we really need to think about leaning in on our other clinician provider types and just realize there's probably people out there that don't even realize that this is what they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kelly, anything you'd like to add to that? Um, I, I completely agree about the multidisciplinary uh, role in this. And I think it, you know, as we look at our healthcare continuum, uh, some practice settings are more or less used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's an opportunity for us to continue to expand our networks of providers that we work with. Um, but also just to make sure that even within our own teams of physical, occupational, and speech pathology, uh, that we're recognizing the role of each other in taking care of these folks as we're asking those open-ended questions and really learning about how folks are impacted. 
Uh, I think we also have to look at our peers. Uh, if we are healthcare workers, as you said, most of the folks that may be listening to this are our healthcare worker folks. Um, how many uh, in the healthcare industry have been impacted by COVID themselves this year, this last year? Mm -hmm. And how many of them may be suffering from some of these long-term effects? And so how do we support them and help? You know, you may find a, a, a coworker that was a high achiever that since their COVID diagnosis is suddenly not performing as well as they did. Um, perhaps there's some long haul issues there that we should help them identify, you know, and help not just our patients and our residents, but also making sure that we're helping our coworkers as well. That's a really yeah. good point that we have a lot of overachievers in healthcare and we have a tendency mm -hmm. to push ourselves. So we mm -hmm. do want to be looking out for ourselves and our colleagues and um, make sure everybody realizes that it's okay if we sometimes need to be the receivers of the care. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it, it's so true when you're thinking about that, because that comes down again to that differential diagnosis, because our healthcare workers that are on the front lines, you know, they are experiencing real COVID fatigue mm -hmm. right now. You know, they've been doing this for over a year and full PPE and the stress of it all and seeing patients pass away and having it impacted themselves and the impact it's had on their families, their children, you name it. And it's, you know, beyond what I could even do with like putting it into words. Right. But so to that point, what is COVID fatigue that they might be experiencing and like outwardly showing signs of, or is this something that they are truly having an ailment and an impairment from the diagnosis from? So that's mm -hmm. like a very open conversation that sometimes needs to be had because there's different avenues for support on both of those ends. So speaking of those avenues for support, Kelly, take us through a little bit of what rehab could do for these folks that are suffering from these long haul symptoms of PASI. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know that you're doing a lot of cool things in NARA specifically alongside some of the major associations. Yeah, thank you, Christy. I, one of the things that we're looking at at NARA, the National Association of Rehabilitation Providers and Agencies. So we represent therapy providers across the continuum of care is working with APTA, AOTA and ASHA who are the professional associations for PTOT and speech, uh, to make sure that they're, they're creating amazing resources and they're doing great research and they're partnering with universities to get that great research and, and put it into practice. And so we're working with them to make sure that we're able to put all that great information into the hands of the therapists and the companies and organizations that we serve. And also on top of that, I think a really important thing is for the overall community to understand the impact of therapy for these uh, post-COVID PASC uh, sufferers. We really have an opportunity to pick up this ball, right? There's a lot of people out there. When we look at the number, the overall numbers of people that had COVID this past year, and with if, if even 10, even 5% of them, but let's talk 10% of those folks have some of these symptoms, who better than therapy? to help assess a lot of those things I talked about at the beginning, that muscle weakness, um, difficulty breathing, balance issues, hypotension, you know, that pain. Um, our speech pathologists can play a big role in helping to assess 
the impact of that brain fog. Are we having memory problems? Where are they? What is specifically impacted? And can we help that person either recover or compensate? Uh, the nutrition piece, also a place where speech may be able to help. Um, and then, of course, those postural tachycardia syndromes, all, all of that really areas that our therapists are really uniquely suited to help assess and potentially treat. And so we're, we're really working together with those different associations to really help make sure that physicians and payers and regulatory agencies also understand that role that we can play. Absolutely. You know, and we actually recorded a pro report earlier this week, Kelly and myself, alongside our Health for Heritage Consulting physician, um, Dr. James Avery. And, you know, one thing that I think it was he that mentioned it, I apologize, it could have been you, Kelly, but somebody mentioned on there, like a building or a facility maybe wanting to become a center of excellence for COVID long haulers or post-COVID or even just COVID in general. So, Thinking about that, Sarah, you know, if somebody were to take on like a true program, um, you know, what are some of the things like that they might want to consider for their staff with regards to training, competency, et cetera? Absolutely. Great question. So because the symptoms can be so diverse, we, we do certainly recommend some formal training to make sure that all of the clinicians understand what could be available. Uh, think about what sort of standardized tests could be available like, for instance, um, I'm working on a training with one of my other colleagues, Ruth Miller, that will be for our team to help them understand how to have these very specific conversations. How do we complete this evaluation? And we really need to make sure that we're able to utilize a lot of standardized tests so that we can really have that great objective data and really have a higher level of understanding so we can really understand where to proceed. Without that, thinking about things like pain with these individuals that's literally moving around. If you haven't fully assessed it ahead of time, it's going to be incredibly difficult to understand that maybe your approach needs to be remodulating the brain and how it is processing pain versus thinking about it as a um, orthopedic sort of a condition. So we definitely recommend for everyone out there providing care for our, our Cassier or our long haulers to work with their uh, employers to have some training to really make sure that you have the tools available because for some things like the brain fog, there's still research being done and we're still not a hundred percent sure on what's going to be the best treatment. So really working together with your own education department will be really highly recommended. Absolutely. Kelly, anything you'd like to add to that mm -hmm. point as well? I think I think that that's a great summary there. I think that it is really important that we're staying current right mm -hmm. now. Uh, you know, things are changing regularly. So, you know, as therapists, if you're a therapist that's listening, you know, please listen to the to your your professional associations, to your employers uh, as we continue to push out new information, as we continue to innovate. Um, we we want to become those those centers of excellence in our profession as well as in our facility. So how do we stay current? And and so we'll be working, uh, you know, with our teams to make sure that we have the most current information. But I think it's it's on all of us right now as well to be keeping up if we can. Uh, and and once again, um, I'll be working with APTA, AOTA, and ASHA to make sure we have access to the most current information. Um, 
for our teams and for our staff and for our clinical teams to help respond to this need. We've talked about a little bit on the PER report the other day as well, the impact if you are a facility that's had COVID, if you're a, a skilled nursing provider or even uh, mainly skilled nursing with this particular issue, but uh, the mm -hmm. quality measures, right? If you look at those quality measures, uh, that we're all held to and you look at, you know, the, the ability to move around, uh, if you look at continence, if you look at uh, well, yeah. almost all of them, weight loss, um, really tie very directly to some of those symptoms that we're seeing that we talked about at the beginning of this podcast. And so if you have a large post-COVID population, this is something you really need to be looking at in your facility and making sure that you're tapping in with your rehab team and your nursing team and your physicians to help make sure that they're, that we're diagnosing uh, this, these syndromes and that we're really getting the patients, the care that they need. Absolutely. That is a great point. Um, you know, quality measures play such an important role today along the continuum, you know, with network inclusion, managed care organizations looking at it, CMS continuing to look at it, survey. So it's such an important point, Kelly, that you raise and such a, a even more critical point as to why we have to identify these needs proactively in all of our patients that could have been impacted. And mm -hmm. I know that all of us on this phone today have known multiple facilities where their whole house was impacted. So it's certainly something that folks need to keep their finger on the pulse on for sure. But to all of our points earlier, you know, rehab can absolutely be a very great solution to these individuals that are suffering from many of these symptoms. And it's not that we would ever act in a silo. To Sarah's point earlier, a lot of that does come down to cross referrals and getting the right care at the right time at the right place. But if we even raise awareness by a couple of listeners today and by, you know, having the conversations at their facilities with their IDTs to say, hey, this is something we need to be on the lookout for, then we did our job. <laughs> right, girls? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. But I just want to thank you both so much. Is there anything that either of you would like to add before we sign off for our listeners out there? My final thought is, regardless of you're a therapist, a physician, any sort of healthcare practitioner, when you're working with your patients, ask them if they've had COVID in the last year. Ask them what sort of symptoms they have to just really help you raise awareness about what you could do to help these individuals out. Absolutely. I would completely echo that. I think we need to change our screening mm -hmm. process or our intake process personally. Each one of us that interacts with a, a, a resident or a patient um, to make sure that we're asking those questions and to make sure that we're really hearing yeah. the answers um, and maybe asking questions about things they may not even realize could be related. So thinking about that diagnose that that list of side effects that we talked about early on and thinking about as we're doing our assessments, whether whatever um, type of practitioner we are, that we're including some of those questions so that we can catch those those issues that can become very life changing for folks. Absolutely. Well, thank you both so much for your time today. Um, I do want to just plug our pro report one more time. So if anybody wants to go check that out, you can absolutely find it on our LinkedIn at Health Pro Heritage on LinkedIn um, or at our website, um, healthpro-heritage.com. Um, there's links to the pro report there. It was a great one with Dr. Avery. He's always a wealth of knowledge. Um, so please check that out if you want to learn more about the long haul um, or PASI, um, you know, 
what's going on right now with the COVID symptoms. Um, so as always, if you have any questions for any of us on today's uh, podcast, you can reach out to us at strategypodcast at healthpro-heritage.com. Um, and we just want to thank you all for listening. Thanks again, Kelly and Sarah. You're welcome. You're welcome. Bye, Thanks, Christy.